Marketers used to ignore anyone over 40, and many big agencies still do. They all love anyone that's up to 35. But this Generation Xer, who already has a slight chip on her shoulder about being the generation that no one actually wants to talk about, it feels like a little bit of a big deal now that I'm over 40 and over 50. There's a bunch of outdated notions around people who are over my age or over 40, And there's even more about women on 40. I can't get over how people say, gosh, you look so young for your age. Maybe I look normal for my age. You just think that my age is old. There's something that our guest today, Sandy Lowes, is hitting straight on the head with her business and her movement, Women Beyond 40. Sandy's a passionate pro-aging advocate, and she started the platform, the magazine, and the podcast, all helping raise the profile of women in their 40s and beyond who are here to share their wisdom, grow great businesses, and do a pile of super cool stuff. So if you're a woman over 40, or if you have a target market directed at women over 40, then this episode will help you see your target market with fresh eyes and perhaps help see yourself with those same fresh eyes too. So strap in and listen. Sandy is an amazing person to listen to, so inspiring. Plus, you'll get to hear some cool stuff that she's doing. She's a podcaster too, so she's great at chatting. And this was a super fun episode to record. So let's get in. Oh, and if you've never been here before, please do check out our other episodes to see if you like those as well. And come and be part of our Facebook group, Map It Marketing, where you can ask questions, talk about this, and there's quite a few over 40-year-old women in there. So if you want to talk to more of us, if you're one of us, you can come and join us. Keep us company and have fun. Right, let's get into this episode. Welcome. This is Mabbit Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. Hi and welcome to episode 83, I think it is, of Map It Marketing. Should have checked before I started hitting record. I'm your host, Rachel Claver, and I am so excited about today's guest. In fact, I had to make her stop with me in mid-conversation because I literally could have talked the whole hour with her without turning on record because I was having so much fun. Um, Sandy Lowry's, Lowry's um, which I mispronounced in the introduction, so that's how you meant to pronounce her name, by the way. Um, I have been following her for a while. She's got her own podcast which is called the good girl uh, confessional and she's her whole focus is really about uplifting and profiling amazing women over 40 and as a woman who's over 40 over 50 I just am so passionate about this topic I feel like we are often a forgotten thing I think maybe it's because I'm generation x as well so I feel like I've got this big chip in my shoulder around how no one cares about generation x's but I just can't wait for you to meet her to get to know her and find out about why she really believes we have to care about you if you're a 40 plus woman and if you're not why you've got to care about us too um so Sandy do you want to introduce yourself first do you want to tell everyone a bit about you and kind of how you got started in this (laughs) and welcome thank you Rachel I'm so excited to be here I've been really looking forward to chatting with you I've been so excited um oh well how did I get so I Sandy obviously I um I am the creative director and founder of a platform called WB40 women beyond 40 um 
as you said, the, the host of our podcast, which is the Good Girl Confessional Podcast, but I'm also the co-host as well of another fun music podcast called Alex the Seal Podcast. So there you go, which of course is a play on our lips are sealed. Because um, <laughs> you're really into music, aren't you? Like it's another thing it. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love it. And um, so along with my co-host, Joe Pythas, I'll give Joe a shout out. She's bloody amazing. Um, yeah. So it's a nostalgic look at the music that I grew up with, the 70s and the 80s. Nice. And, uh, and I love it. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a bona fide Gen Xer and, and uh, I love the music from our, from the, you know, growing up from our teenage years. Love it. Absolutely. I'm a bit I'm that way with um Gen X movies, you know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of I, I'll watch them and repeat, uh, which is great. And I've been introducing them to my kids, which has been really wonderful too. Like I think when you've got teens and adult kids and they start to take on some of that stuff, it's it's awesome. My worst thing is that my children believe that a lot of the songs that I love are actually glee songs. <laughs> which is deeply disappointing to me like when they start singing a song and I'm like oh I love that song and I'm like oh yeah they, I loved it on Glee I'm like a little part of my heart breaks off and just crumbles to the ground <laughs> yeah I think it's um it's one of those really lovely things if you can introduce your kids to the music that, in, that you loved growing yeah, up but also exactly. too what I realized as I got older that I didn't realize how influenced by my mother's musical taste mm. um I was so you know I have a, a love of like the Rolling Stones and and Cat Stevens and the Mamas and the Puppers and all those sort of bands that obviously okay. my mom was playing on you know repeat on the old vinyl records yeah my dad was a um, bluegrass musician in fact he he's a veterinarian but he had to choose whether he was going to be a bluegrass musician or a veterinarian and chose to be a vet but I grew up with him doing a lot of bluegrass at home and he loved, you know, all that kind of Peter, Paul and Mary and all that sort of side. And then my mum was a full on ABBA freak and my dad was so disappointed by that. Um, and so I got those both sides, you know, and then I've got a, my husband has got kind of the cool side, you know, like all the, the, the cool things that I didn't quite manage to, to listen to in the eighties and nineties, like the cure and stuff like that. And he's really into that, you know? And so I've, I've got this eclectic range of songs that come from that, which is really cool. When we could speak about, we could talk about music all day long, but I want to ask you a question around the 40 plus thing, because why was it that it was so important for you to focus on that 40, like raising the profile of 40 plus women? Um, well, I started WB40 when I was 50 and, uh, um, you know, it's really kind of fascinating. Um, w, you're calling it WB40. Um, women beyond 40 and I, I I should point out too because I know a lot of people will think it's WD40 but I like to say that we're lubricant for your mind Rachel um so WB40 uh, I I want to call it lube for your mind because that sounds ruder but that's mind. funny very cool isn't it I yeah. get it as often as I can um so, so. I want it as a t-shirt now I want to have <laughs> WV40, lube for your mind. Ah, well, interestingly enough, we've we've, uh, we've got merch coming. Excellent. Yeah. So there you go. So keep your eyes out for that that T-shirt because it'll Perfect. be good. Um, so the reason why 40 plus is because I do feel like, and I was saying this um, to you earlier, that I feel like there is a societal line in the sand, literally. You can almost see it drawn yeah. and that women are expected from the time they hit 40 to step over that line, whatever the hell that means. This kind of idea that women somehow are on the other side once you hit 40, that you're no longer youthful and, you, yeah. you know, you're 
longer, you know, hitting the the stands standards of um, societal beauty, which I think is actual. And I don't know if I can swear on this show, but I think it's actually no, swear as much as you like. People, people broke the fuck barrier a long time ago. I think it was fabulous, so. great. Because I think it's <laughs> utter utter bullshit, and I yeah. think that you know, on the Good Girl Confessional podcast, which is the podcast of my platform, mm-hmm. um, I get to speak with extraordinary women every single week women who are in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s. And actually, I've got a guest coming on today in her 80s. Amazing. Who are doing extraordinary things and really making a dent in the world. But what I'm seeing especially too is that, you know, in my 50s, I feel vibrant and Mm -hmm. I feel like I've got so much to offer still and I'm still learning so much and it's fun and it's brilliant. And I'm on the other, you know, the other end of the parenting scale in that my children are grown-ups. Mm. So I have a lot of time on my hands to do the things that I'm passionate about and I want to do. And so I really love exploring that as well, that, you know, this is our time. When you step into this age bracket, whatever, you know, in your 40s or your 50s, and a lot of women in their 40s still, of course, are in the sandwich generation. Yeah. They have, they're caring for our parents who are aging. They're caring for teenagers. Um but I want to show them as well that when they get into their 50s and their children are more, um, you know, self-sufficient. And in my case, I have sadly lost both of my parents. But what it does is it it's a kind of a really extraordinary time in your life because you've got so much time to focus on self, which yeah. I think is something that women tend not to do. Our immediate go-to is we're always nurturing others. Mm. And that could be, and that doesn't, not just for parents, there are a lot of women who are, are not parents but we still care about our parents or our families or our workmates or whatever it may be because it's a it's a default go-to position where we actually care about others before ourselves. Yeah, and I think, like, it's really interesting because I've got three girls. One's um, long out. She's actually driving back today for a couple of nights. But, she, you know, I've got her long out, and but the other two might be both going next year. And I thought I'd feel sad that I was going to suddenly have them going. And then one of them made a comment that she might not go right away. And I felt this intense hatred towards her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what do you mean you're not going? Um, Because actually I want, I'm so ready for not to have to be the taxi, even though I'm not doing that much. And my kids are pretty independent, but I'm so ready to not have to think about what they need to eat for food because suddenly they don't like the thing I cooked last week. And I'm so ready to not have to be that person. And I, and I do think like one of the reasons that we don't hit our stride often until we're in our 40s or even our 50s is it's really hard. Like I've got a client who's got young children. She works full time, has a business. She's amazing. And she's like, how do I find these five hours a week to do my marketing? And I'm like, girl, I don't know how you're doing it because you're obviously not sleeping. And we have all this stuff. And yet, actually, our power comes when we have time to finish a sentence inside our head. Right. Exactly right. I think, um, yeah, that's what I mean. I think like it's kind of, you know, emotional load is what you're talking about there, obviously. And I've written a lot about emotional load because I do think it's something that we can talk about it infinitum, but the reality is that we are still carrying it as women. Yeah, And and it's, it's, it's a fact. I mean, you know, you can have the best partner in the world and he's doing a lot of the housework and whatever, but emotional load isn't about housework. And I think that Mm. this is, we forget the emotional load is 
thinking about everybody else in your life, yes. what they need to eat, where do they need yep. to be, um, what uniform are they going to wear on this particular day, yep. um, you know, whose birthday is it, what am I buying everyone for Christmas, oh, my God, you know, blah, blah. This is our reality, right? It is. And even if you, I have a spreadsheet for my kids, they just fill out the spreadsheet for the shopping, but I still have to arrange the spreadsheet and go and shop for it, you know. Um, so in terms of, like, that 40 thing, what I'm quite fascinated about is, I don't know if you've seen them, but there's these photos that I've seen, which is like, um, you know, this is what people looked like in their 40s and the 1960s and 70s. And this is what we look like now. And they do look old. Like those women often do look a lot older. I think maybe partly because they're wearing a lot of different makeup. And I think and the hairstyle is obviously dated now compared to what we do. But what do you think is makes us so much more out there as a generation that we are a bit more lippy? We're not prepared. What is it that's doing that for us, do you think? I definitely think that there is a movement happening amongst yeah. women in our age bracket, but I do think that we can thank in some part social media for it, if I'm honest, mm -hmm. Rachel, because I think like media goes against women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, right? So. Because we don't see ourselves represented. We don't see ourselves represented back. We're not seeing real life women like we are yeah. um, quite often in the media. We do see celebrities who are yes. extraordinary at their age but the reality of that is that that that's a whole other issue because it means that that's a standard that we all feel like we're failing somehow that we we don't look like that right um yeah. we forget that they have a team of people that they may have had plastic surgery or botox or whatever whatever right there's a whole team of people who dress them and coordinate them um it's not a realistic um you know goal if you like for most of us um but I think it's fascinating that women were told back then too, Rachel, that, you know, once you had children, once you became somebody's mother, like that's that's who you are, that's your life. A lot of those yeah. women were told they had to stop working when they had kids. Um, there was certainly no such thing as like just childcare centres like we know them today. And, um, you know, everyone, there was a lot of pressure on women to be stay-at-home mothers. And so I do think they didn't really have a lot of time to take care of themselves, but there also wasn't products being um, you know, thrown at them from all different directions as well, going, oh, like, this is moisturiser and this whatever, you know, this is how how you should, you know, treat your hair if you're older or whatever. So I think you're right. I think the women started to look older before their time. Yeah. And I think now we've got a lot more information maybe, but I do think it comes from within. I think what it is is we feel more vibrant. We feel like we've got the power to actually start doing things in our 40s, 50s, 60s to, you know, women are building extraordinary careers, changing careers at a later stage yeah. because we now have, you know, I guess mechanisms for that to happen and that wasn't happening for our mothers or their generation. Because I look at my mum, she's 79, and when she retired from um, teaching art, uh, she said to me, I need business cards. I think she was seven, seven, 69 or something. Um, and she said, I need business cards because I'm now ready to start my new career. And I've seen her get younger uh, in the last seven years because she's finally got that's how long it took her to get to the space where she could be call her time her own, which is kind of sad in lots of ways. I was partly to fuck. I was partly at fault for that, probably. Um, but I do think, like, it's interesting to see that social media thing. I think it's that algorithms of social media that we we, we say we don't like help us. Because I know that I found you through social media because the algorithm is going to go, oh, you've got a 40-something face. Here's a whole lot of other 40-something faces to look at, to interact with. I don't see a lot of 15, 20, 25-year-olds on my feed. 
Yeah, it's so true. And I think this is the thing. I think we have to be cautious when we go, oh, social media is so bad. Mm. Um, and I've talked a lot about this as well, because I do think in some ways social media has actually helped so many people yeah. to connect with other people, to find groups like Facebook groups, um, you know, is a big one. And I've had a lot of people, you know, you know, people who've been on my podcast, um, you know, disabled women who've said, I found my people yeah. because I needed to find people who understood what I was going through in those, you know, in those platforms. Um, Twitter was a big one where people were getting connected. I know there's a whole lot of controversy going around Twitter at the moment. Um, <laughs> the blue tick being approved by anyone and people being out of fake being George Bush. I think I saw that one this morning. I thought that was hilarious. Crazy. Um <laughs> But I think in its heyday, Twitter actually did connect so yeah, many people. But you know, like authors were found, like and people started following them, and and actors and and musicians and all sorts of people. Right? I think we have to be careful about saying it's all bad. Yes. I don't think it is all bad. And you know, I found so many. I mean, thank you. I'm so pleased you found me through social media. Um, I, <laughs> I love it. And um, and I love watching you on social media. I think that that's oh, the thing. I same here with you. Because you've got this, I think that's a thing, like you do, you can find your people. And, and I was thinking about this recently because one of the things I think has been really interesting is I remember when my mum went, my mum wrote a book on hysterectomies because she had one when she was 40. And the reason she wrote that book is no one talked about menopause, hysterectomies, none of that stuff. And she wrote it with a woman in New Zealand called Sandra Coney, who was a well-known feminist writer. And it was a really big deal to write that book. And people kind of like had goes at her for talking about inappropriate private stuff. And I look at that and then I go, but at the moment now, everywhere I see, because I'm 40 plus, Everywhere I see this woman going, let's break down and talk about menopause. Let's talk about what it's like. And they're saying it on LinkedIn and they're saying it publicly and they're saying it in business forums. And that would never have happened. And I'm like, go us, go us making this a conversation topic because we're normalizing something about us that people have told us for years we must hide when it's a natural part of our life. Hell yes. I think this is such a big topic. I mean, we could talk about that just in in itself. Yeah. Um, I made a big plan when we decided to launch WB40 and I was bringing out this magazine and I was, you know, whatever, that one of the things that we really had to talk about was perimenopause and menopause. And yeah. it was a really big thing. And it was because no one had talked to me about it. No, I certainly didn't know where to find information. And I was surrounded by <laughs> this group of amazing female friends who all started going through it roughly around the same time. And, you know, it was through having those open conversations that we all went, oh, shit, hang on, wait, is is that perimenopause? Yeah, because you, know? you don't know, right? You're going, am I going crazy? Have I been suddenly become a bitch overnight? You know, have I suddenly become forgetful? Oh, it's perimenopause. Hello. And I think the really <laughs> interesting thing is that when, you know, I rarely heard it talked about, my mum was very open. She was a left wing. My mum too, yeah. Feminist, right. But she, the one thing she really didn't talk about was menopause. Mm. And later, the only thing she ever said to me was, oh, I breezed through it. I don't, you know, I didn't have any issues. Oh, right. What, what <laughs> now that I'm going through it and she's no longer here, so we can't have these conversations now. Um, I don't know what the hell she was on, but I can tell you right now that I did not breeze through it and I am not breezing through it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm on HRT. I think it's the best thing since sliced bread for me. I'm not saying it's for everyone. Um, but I think what's really fascinating is when I started to go through that, I did what I do with a lot of things is I face things head on. So I was Googling, of course, Dr. Google, trying to find all this information. I was getting all this kind of weird 
different kind of information. So I just went to my GP, who's a woman and amazing. And I said to her, I actually think I'm going through menopause. And she's probably my age. And she said, oh, I've no doubt. And she said, well, what's going on? And I told her all these symptoms I was having. And I said, I'm either going crazy or all these weird things started happening at once. And she said, you're not going crazy and let's do some blood tests. And yes, you know, it's likely that you're perimenopausal. And I said, perimenopausal, let's talk about that. No one tells us that word. I knew it. I learned about it in my, like in the last couple of years. Right. And you never, people don't learn about it generally until they're in it. So yes. this is one of the reasons that I like love to bang on about it because I want younger women to yeah. actually understand it so that when they get here, it's not a scary thing. It's, it's, it's so normal it's to start. Part of evolution. It's part it, of who we are. It's, I heard, and this was fascinating to me, it's normal for it to start at 35 for many women. Yes. So like by the time you've gone through, you're going through it, you may not have any idea. And I, I think right. this is where I, I do want to just say before we jump into, into this a bit more or, or move forward to something else, can I just give a bit of a plug for your magazine? Because you mentioned it briefly. I ordered a copy to see what it was like. It's a really beautiful magazine. Um, And and yeah, and so um, if you're watching the video, you can see a cover there. It's just a really lovely magazine to have. So if you are wanting a magazine that does highlight or profile and read it, I'd get, I would definitely order one um, and use it from, from New Zealand or from Australia. It's just a lovely magazine to have. So I'm just going to say it's nice. It's nice having a print magazine. It's, it is, you know, isn't it? It's, it's, look, nice. it's, it's an independent mag and, and what's really beautiful. Yes, we tell the stories of women and that's really important. We talk about menopause, we talk about a lot of stuff, but every single cover is created by a female artist. I love um, the covers. And a different one each time from around the world. And the covers are really beautiful. So, so what's really nice about them, what we wanted to do is make sure that they they seem a little bit collectible as well. So you can have yeah, them on they feel collectible. and they look nice, right? Um which was a big thing, but at the same time, we're we're really, really um, helping to expose women that probably haven't had a lot of, um, you know, exposure in mainstream media. Yeah. As an independent, nice. we can do that, which is nice. It is very nice because I do agree. Like I used to write for women's magazines, and there are some that are out there that will, you know, are happy to write about forty plus. But there is definitely a bias. The older you get, the harder it is to be placed. Um, and I've I've experienced that just as someone who you know found it relatively easy to get media attention when I was in my thirties and now I'm in my fifties. It does feel a bit harder uh, because they always want the bright new things beforehand. And I'm not I'm not saying that with a chip on my shoulder. I've just it's been an interesting observation. Like you can yeah. still do it, but it's just harder. You know, I'm not, it's not a, because I don't want someone to go, oh, she sounds really crabby about it. It's just an interesting thing that men over 40 and 50 are considered uh, wise. They don't like, I don't wear a lot of makeup um, and I'm terrible through my hair. That's okay if you're a man, but if you're a woman and you're not brushing up and making yourself look your best to look younger on your face and the way you look, over 40 then mm, we don't really think you're a good fit and I think that's an interesting thing to experience yeah I think it's absolutely true you've hit the nail on the head because I think that men go through this world in a with a very different experience Mm. of aging than we do as women absolutely there's no two ways about it and even now we can say you know um oh you know stop 
what you know stop listening to advertisers and stop worrying about it and I'm at this age and I don't care anymore but the reality is the older we get I am bombarded consistently with advertising about skincare hair products making you look younger women, to make yeah. you look younger to make you feel younger yes um you know and I judge I will never judge any women to you know I think do what makes you feel good about you okay. so I do have friends who've done Botox and I know people who have done different things and you know but I do think that we are so conditioned from such a young age that how we look externally Mm. Is, is how we're going to be judged by the world and sadly a lot of the time the world will prove it to us right yes well they do and it's interesting because I know I mentioned beforehand and I've mentioned on the podcast before I, you know I had a gastric sleeve in July and I was talking to a friend in the weekend um and I was explaining the demise of my um <clears throat> boobs um and you know <laughs> and how they've lost a little bit of volume and she was like that should be part of the package. You know, they should give you perky boobs at the end of it. I can't believe I'm talking about this on a podcast. Sorry, my children. <laughs> um, and, and I was like, I well, I didn't really do it for that. And I don't know if I will do something about that. And actually, that's kind of like subscribing to this idea that, you know, my body has to stay a certain youthful appearance. And I might do it at some point because I might go, actually, I would like to do that. But it's not actually what this was all about for me. And there's this interesting thing of like, well, who was I, who am I doing it for? Cause I can make them look good in a bra and I don't need to worry. Am I doing it for myself? And in that case I should do it. Or am I doing it because I need to feel like I'm going to be more attractive if I do that to somebody else and my husband wouldn't care. So like, it's this line of like, who are we doing that for? Why are we doing it? No judgment if you do it, but also why do I have to be judged if I don't do it? And I think it's that kind of line that I find a really interesting thing with women that we have this, that's certainly when I write, nope, everyone, when this is written as a stuff column, that part won't be in it. I'm not talking about my boobs on a national newspaper. Um, so <laughs> I'll do it in the podcast. But here's, but here's but the yeah. other thing. Why shouldn't you talk about your boobs? I, I know, exactly. Too, right? You should. Um, and you my, know boobs are, my boobs are public property. Let's just <laughs> make no, a wide open. Yeah, I'll tell you no, no. <laughs> and I, I think, look, I think there will be women, though, listening to your podcast who will actually be in the same boat or yeah. have been thinking about it right, who I, I am a big believer that we're, when we share our stories, we actually are, are empowering others we to share mm. theirs or to mm. acknowledge what they're going through even. That's big. Yeah, right? it is big. I, I, it's interesting, you know, because we do, we've talked a little bit about how brands, you know, don't tend to market to women who are over 40. And if they do, the message is how to look younger. What do you think brands need to know about women over 40 and how we want to be talked to? Oh, look, I um I wrote a, a, a cracker of an article about this because I was pretty mad one day. Oh, awesome. Um, I love crazy <laughs> articles. I wrote an article about how brands are really missing the mark because, mm. you know, like honestly, I think it was Forbes magazine or someone that I quoted in my in my article. Um, you know, women over 50 are now considered to be super consumers and that is because mm. we've got more, not only do we have more time on our hands, but we've also got more money on our hands because we're yep. no longer having to pay for our kids' education because they've grown up and we're no longer having to, you know, there's a lot of things, right? So we're in a very different place in our life mm. where we've got more disposable income. And the thing about women over 50 is that we're more than happy to show brand loyalty to, to companies that are saying, we see you, we hear you, and here we are. 
perfect example of that and one that I talked about in that article was Dove. And I think they've done such an extraordinary um, job of, you know, body positivity for all bodies matter and all bodies are beautiful and which is great. But they've also done a lot in terms of advertising to women in our age bracket, right? And so when you see yourself reflected back and by see yourself, I mean, they show a range of women in our age group, all different shapes and sizes, different abilities, different whatever that you, so you're more likely to go, oh, well, that product might be for me because look, that woman looks exactly like me. It's the way that they speak to us to not be condescending dove yes they're selling beauty products and whatever but they're also doing it in a way that says feel good you know feel good in your own skin and I think that's the difference they're not saying and they've brought out this whole pro-aging line if you like instead of anti-aging and I'm a huge aging is good I think you know huge advocate for that I call myself a pro-aging advocate myself because I think anti-aging is actually quite detrimental. It says there's something wrong with aging. And in fact, we're all aging, everybody's yeah. aging. Um, and we should be pro-aging. We should be saying, oh, well, I feel great at any age. I'm feeling good. What can I do to feel better in my life yeah. if you're not feeling great? But we can't explore those things if we're constantly hearing this rhetoric about anti-aging, anti-aging. Mm. And in that article, I did actually compare brands that did anti-aging as opposed to pro-aging because I do think the, the the messaging was so on point and probably Dove was the first company that I remember doing it. There's now a lot. You know, I know that, you know, um, Naomi Watts, the actress, has just brought out a whole range of... I love her. She's brilliant. I love her. Um, has brought out a whole range of products. You know, I'm... I'm have never used them, so I'm not plugging them here. I'm just saying I think it's brilliant. She's actually released a whole range of products for women who are in perimenopause. And in doing that, she talks about, you know, to promote it, she's talking about her menopause journey and how her menopause journey actually started at a very young age. And, you know, like this is the other thing. We don't talk enough about this either, that there are a lot of women, as you mentioned before, mm. going through the perimenopause journey at a very young age. And they're the, they must feel like they are forgotten as well in this Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that is sort of an important thing that I feel I need to talk about more and I feel everyone should be talking about more because for those women that must feel, feel really low, like mm. kind of a lonely journey when no one's talking about early menopause and all of your girlfriends in their 30s are going, yeah, just live my life and I'm just going to have a baby and I'm going to do whatever. And you're in the middle of that. Yeah, it must be so, so difficult. I do think it's interesting you mentioned Naomi Watts because I do think that, you know, even though sometimes I moan about the cult of celebrity and things like that, I look at some of the celebrities that I have, have really empowered me. Like I think about people like Drew Barrymore, um, Kelly, Kelly Clarkson, there's people like Meryl Streep, um, Judy Dench, there's women who have been really happy um, to, there's that woman who was in that, she's amazing, and I can't remember her name, which is terrible, but she was in a, she's an amazing actress, and she was in something about, um, I can't remember the name of the movie, so I'm going to sound like a dick, but they quite often don't wear makeup, they stop wearing, they don't wear makeup, but re- even like, you know, People like Reese Witherspoon, who who people who quite go, you know what? I'm going to show myself without makeup. I'm going to do that. Some of them have gone grey. Um, I know, you know, like you've got beautiful, vibrant, colourful hair, and I chose over um, COVID to go. Actually, I'm just going to let myself go grey because I'm also my hair has um, was it was losing quality, and I was just struggling with it. And it's so it was to make it more healthier. And this thing where this freedom to go, actually, I want to colour my hair. I'm going to colour my hair. 
If I don't want to color my hair and I go gray, I want to do that. If I don't want to have to wear makeup, I don't don't have to if I want to. I feel like this liberation, I want, I would love it if what we gift to the next generation, and they often gift it to me because I know my daughter, I was speaking at a conference once and I was going, I don't want to wear heels. And she was like, fuck the patriarchy, wear sneakers, <laughs> you feel more comfortable in them. And since then I was like throwing out the heels, wearing the sneakers. Absolutely. And I do think like they are, they are also pushing us from the back to go, hey, why are you falling into this stuff? Because they are so much more liberated, but I hope that we also are liberating them by pushing through and changing some of these standards for them. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that you've just really hit on there is choice, right? Yeah. We should have the choice to look how we want to look, to live our life how we want to live our life, as long as it doesn't harm anyone else. What is the issue here, right? But I think you're right. I think I've learned a lot from my daughter and her generation, and I've learned a lot from our younger sisters, exactly right, who are saying, I want to wear heels or no, I don't. Yes. So I'm not going to. I do think COVID has been one of the, believe it or not, I know this is controversial. No, I agree. I agree. COVID has been one of the best things that's ever happened to women in terms mm. of being slaves to fashion because what's happened now is that we've, I worked at home for two and a half years. When everyone went back into the office, I remember the first thing I went back in for in the middle of two lockdowns, I think it was, or whatever we were allowed to, I was asked to go to this, you know, women's conference like a women's and I walked in there I am in my high heels like an idiot and there's all these women CEOs and leaders of industry who were wearing really cool flats you know whether it was sneakers or ballet flats or whatever and now I see this ballet flats are back in I'm like were they ever out I don't know (laughs) were they out oh my gosh (laughs) I don't know were they ever out I don't know I've been wearing them um but I think like it's really fascinating I think what it did was it changed the mentality of well we've been at home for two and a half years not wearing bloody heels and we sure as hell now are not going to walk into the workplace wearing those heels Mm. and it was kind of almost like for me it's like in terms of fashion it's like this will go down in history right because people will be Mm. writing about it years later and saying women used to wear heels all the time and suddenly they didn't have to like it's kind of really cool it's just been this thing where we've just our generation especially we were so again conditioned Mm. that that's what you wore in the workplace I wore heels right up until COVID yeah, it is an interesting thing. And if we could just now get all fashion designers of women's clothing to realize that we deserve pockets. Yes, fine. pockets. Like, why is this a feminist fight? You know, like, literally, it is a selling point. If you're doing a thing of like, look what I'm wearing today, and you go, it has pockets. It's I sound pockets. like a freaking 18-month-old. I have pockets. You know? <laughs> and, and it's crazy. It's my, you know, the other day my daughter was saying she bought a new pair of jeans and she said, oh, check this out my jeans the pockets are so deep I can put my iPhone in there now I said to her why is that not a thing now I wear jeans and I don't really but I don't actually put my phone in my pocket so I don't care but she said oh no men's jeans have pockets hence why people love boyfriend jeans right that whole and she's right they have deeper pockets I didn't know that so then I'm asking my partner is this a thing he goes yeah what do you mean I just put my phone in my pocket all the time I didn't realize that gene manufacturers were making sure women still didn't have 
deep enough pockets to put your damn phone in because it's all about aesthetics. Yeah, because you know why it is? It's because women have to have flat stomachs. And if you've got a pocket at the front and you've got something in it, your tummy is going to be a bit rounder. Well, oh. I've already got a round tummy, so I can't, you know, so I'm like, stuff <laughs> it. I'm just going to add more volume, you know. Um, I Like, I do think that, you know, brands, I was thinking about, you know, when you're talking about that sort of anti-aging project, pro-aging, I worked with a brand maybe about 10 years ago um it was before i was um before i started identify and it was a high end beauty brand it was a gorgeous product and it was aimed at 45 plus and the model they chose as their face was 22 years old because they said wow. no woman will buy a product that is anti aging if the face looks like it is over 25 Oh, my God. And so this is the kind of bullshit that we have to live with. And this is what I was saying before about what advertising does to us. I'll tell you a story when I decided I was going to go out. So we started the podcast first, The Good Girl Confessional. But when I decided I'm going to launch this, you know, platform WB40, I actually thought maybe I need investors. And I went out looking for investors and I spoke mm -hmm. to some investors who were male and um, because that, that I was introduced to them. And I was actually told, so they let me do this whole spiel and this big pitch and all the rest, and then said, yeah, look, I don't think anyone's going to be interested in the stories of women really, yeah. but also, especially women over 40, that is what he said to me. Mm. And they basically shut down the meeting and that was it. I went home, it was such a fire under my ass that I went, well, fuck it, I will do it myself. Mm. Um, and, you know, WB40 should be much bigger than it is, but because I couldn't get that, and that's a whole other, yeah. process, by the way, is, the, you know, the lack of funding for female entrepreneurs and small yeah. businesses. It, um, it is a huge thing. I was actually thinking um, Janine Crossan here in New Zealand, she's an amazing entrepreneur and she has a business called Flossie, which is a, be it's a beauty app international. And she's talked a lot about this, that she'd go in and she has the numbers, she's got the experience and everything like that, female so hard to get investments so hard it's like something like it's only I know people will be shocked but I think it's only like something like two percent of mm. all startup investment goes to women it's quite extraordinary that's crazy numbers and what they do is they look at someone who's amazing like Melanie Perkins who is like I think she's now the the richest or she's in at least the top three richest woman in, in Australia and they go but Melanie Perkins did it and you're like yeah but she was funded that she was younger and she was, she had amazed, but she was funded by one particular person early on who really had that push. And then the social proof happened, which made the investment easier. And it's, it's an outlier. It's kind of like saying, you know, like, um, oh, you know, um, not all, um, not all people from a certain ethnicity live in poverty and you go, and, and, and because this one person I know is wealthy. Like it's kind right. of a weird thing. You know, you've got to look right. at the overall statistic. Yep, it's true. And, you know, uh, the same goes for like, you know, women of our, you know, in our age bracket as well, right? The same yeah. sort of thing when they go, oh, but I've never felt invisible. And you go, well, that's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> you. You're but, not my target market. But, yeah. but then talk to all the other women. Well, they're all my target market, but then talk to all the other women who do feel that, who do feel like they're less visible because they're not seeing themselves in television shows and advertising in, yeah. you know, or whatever it may be. I think the tide is changing because of social media. I see so many cool women like yourself on TikTok who are basically just out there going, this is who I am. Yeah. And, you know, and then you, you, you start to look, I mean, anyone just has to really go on TikTok, hashtag 
you know, women over 40, hashtag women over 50, hashtag like they're over 60. There's so many cool women out there. It's quite remarkable. Um, and so many women who've reached out to me as well and said, oh, I saw you on social media. And I'm like, I saw you too. It's so great. <laughs> it's, awesome. um, it's really cool. And I, I think, you know, I do think the Me Too movement, and I have spoken about this before, I think the Me Too movement has been really pivotal in helping all women speak out, and that includes women who are 40, 50, 60, 70, yeah. right? It's not just about, um, it's about all women's issues, Me Too. Um, and obviously there are some pretty important and powerful issues um, caught up in Me Too and, and, and rightly so. But it really has allowed us as women to go, I'm finding my voice. Hearing people like Kamala Harris say, I'm talking. Um, the misogyny speech, of course, a brilliant bloody misogyny speech by Julia Gillard. All of these kind of things help us to find our voice and say, hey, I'm going to stand up and be counted. I, I'm talking and I want people. I love to, it. Right? It's I one of my recent learnings has been uh, my friend Emma has a business um she's she's the same age as me we went to school together and we've reconnected she has a business where she helps uh business owners oh sorry uh people come back to to corporates after having children and kind of working that kind of like fairness thing but she's taught me something that has really made a huge impact to me when a man challenges me on a post to get and say I need proof of this or I need to do this and she's taught me which I absolutely love and my friend Sal does the same which is like I'm not here to do your research for you. You can use Google. And I found that terrifying the first time I did it. But it's this thing where they won't question a man on it and they question a woman on it. And we feel we've got to go and do the work to prove that what we're saying is right. They wouldn't have asked us if we were a man. And I find that it's been so liberating to go, I'm not here to be your, your discoverer of this stuff. You go and sort that out yourself. You know, I'm allowed to state something and I don't have to be questioned on it. If I know it's there, I know it's right. You can do the research. So important. I saw a woman on TikTok the other day. This is so great. She's a doctor, by the way. Mm. And she was talking about, she said she was in this um, conference or whatever, you know, she's one of the speakers, I think. Everyone's getting introduced around the table and then <laughs> the CEO or whoever he was um, introduced her and said, oh, and here's Amber, and she's really big on TikTok. Didn't talk about, even though she was literally the most qualified person in the room, that is what he said. And yeah, so this, perfect. but this kind of undermining of women happens all the time. Yeah. Right? It does. All the time. I got, I got, actually, I'm really proud of this. I am a pre, in my previous role, I got someone fired because I was in a senior role and I was working as a strategist and trainer, and he was the salesperson, and he kept on referring to me. Um, at me and talking to me at meetings where I was running it as sweetie honey pie um, sugar and wouldn't use my name and from that consistently undermined me and I just started documenting it all and he got fired because I was sick of I'd be in this group and I'd have male and female business owners and I'm trying to present and be a, a, you know a confident authority in the room and here's him going hey honey bun you know can you get me a coffee wow Wow. And I do think we have to fight against this. I think we absolutely do. And I think that it's fantastic that we, you know, I, I think collectively now we're seeing a wave of that of women saying, I'm not putting up with that. We now have terms for it. We now know what mansplaining is. We, <laughs> you know, and we don't want to stand for it. And why no. would we? Um, you know, it's a really interesting thing, but I, 
because I speak to so many women, like this comes up as a constant theme as well, the undermining of women, um, especially successful women that, you know, but we've got to remember it says more about a man who would do that than it says about the woman, right? It says yeah, I that think so. In, yeah. In security and the, you know, and people can go, oh, but we come from a different generation. Bullshit. Just we've all heard enough they can yeah. they've been reading the news just like we've been reading the news and they know that it's bullshit and I call bullshit on it because there's lots of men out there who actually would never do that they yeah. wouldn't think to undermine my husband would never do it right never. right mm. and there's a lot of men now going I'm a proud feminist and you know this is what it means feminism is that we're all equal right and everyone has an equal voice in the room I think um you know I, I actually I smile quite often when you see these young women and they're like, you know, 18 and 20 saying, we don't need feminism or not. feminism. And I just laugh because I'm like, darling, the reason you can do everything you want to do, right? And I don't mean darling as condescending either. No. I'm darling. Yeah. But, you know, it's like the reality. We're all darlings. We're all yeah. darlings. We yeah. are. But I think like that's the thing. The reason you can do what you want to do, the reason you can be on TikTok and other platforms, the reason you can be an influencer, the reason you can wear your bikini or not, the reason that you can, you know, be whoever you want to be and do whatever you want to do is thanks to feminism. It is. And the point's yeah. been lost on them, right? I think we just, we're so, yeah, and there are, like, I always, uh, one of the things we haven't talked about and we, we don't have time to talk about because I want to ask you another question actually around it, but there's also us and we're both, you know, European women and there's us and then there's women of colour. Absolutely. are still fighting against stuff that we're not Absolutely. even having to embrace. And I think, you know, like, it's very, well, like, I look at that and, you know, my kids have been really taken with what's happening in Iran with the woman there and you go, there's, I don't understand how we cannot feel that we're still having it's so frustrating we're still having to fight for what we should just have for being human beings and then to have someone go we don't need it I'm like I don't I don't understand that because agree can you not see that these people don't even get to wear what they want to wear or even talk in public or show their face you know but we have to be allies too to people as you say to to our sisters of color and to yeah. because the reality is if we're not you know being an ally means that we have to listen and as you say their issues are so different from our issues mm. but you know and I can't remember who said this it's quite a famous thing but basically none of us are truly free until we are all free I love that reality, yes right? I think it's a Maria Angelo Maya Angelo ah, maybe yeah. was, maybe I just I don't know if it is yeah. I don't know who suffered for heart but, but I, I think ask, that's true yeah. can I ask you what do you think 40 plus female business owners should do if they want to embrace more of who they are and become into if they're feeling like they're hearing this and going well that's all very well for me but I feel stuck where I am what do you think they need to embrace more of I think one of the big things that probably helped me is especially because you're talking about business owners is really thinking about the why why am I actually doing this? But also to the who, who is it for? Who's yeah. my audience? And I honestly think if you are feeling stuck as a 40 plus um, business owner, female business owner, yeah. one of the greatest things I think I've ever done is join business groups yeah. um, online or otherwise, because I think it can be quite isolating as well, running your own business. Yeah. We all know that, you know, it's, it's difficult, you know, there's constant hustle, everyone's trying, you know, you're working nonstop and you've got your head down all the time, but having other business owners you can connect with who understand those struggles, because sometimes your friends don't understand you know, if you don't have friends who are business, they don't understand what that day-to-day -day working looks like or feels. No, they don't. 
and it can be really isolating. So I genuinely think please get out there and join some groups, start talking to like-minded women because that is really inspiring and I get that. So sometimes when I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell am I doing this for and I'm overwhelmed and I don't, what am I doing? Um, you know, the other night I went out for dinner with a few women who are in, you know, a business group called She's the Boss. Um, we're at it's just a good name. It's a fantastic name and it's run by an amazing woman called Jules Brook. She's um, she's pretty amazing. But that's been a, a really great um, group for me personally to be involved in because I think to connect with like-minded women and say, truthfully, oh, my God, I feel like I failed on this or I don't know what I'm doing here or I'm just a bit overwhelmed or I can't find the time, they will always lift you up and say have you tried this hey have you thought about this um you know I get women constantly through those groups recommending other women to be on the podcast or to write for the magazine which is so beautiful and that's really what what my platform's all about is helping other women to rise um and then I do it I pass on that favor and I constantly I'm, I'm meeting these amazing women and go oh, I'm going to introduce you to that person who's who's got a brilliant podcast mm. or that person because you know you can see what they're doing is valuable and brilliant and they just need to get themselves out there so that's the other thing I would say too is not be so fearful because I know as women in our age bracket it's really hard to jump on and do videos mm. no one loves it but it's really important and I'm not great at like getting out on social media doing a lot of videos and um we have a, a brilliant chick you know Debbie McKenna who who um does a lot of our social media and she pushes me non-stop saying um hello she's you know she sends me video ideas I'm not very good sorry Debbie um but I would say honestly for us collectively to not be so afraid to put our face out there and say yeah. be visible I do think like I was I think I did a, a video on this and it hit a lot of resonated people but I talked about how I think for those of us that are generation x we were told often to not put ourselves out there and not be a show-off and you know if we were chatty and stuff like that 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 was kind of not okay and so I think a lot of us we're fighting against years and years of being a should like this is how you should be as a woman mm. and it can feel very confusing now because those rules have gone but it's hard to adjust and I do think I agree with you that one of the biggest issues that 40 plus women have is actually about having to show up for their business and be the face because and then that and that's actually my thing because that's what I, I run a coaching program on that so I, that's my thing but I, I so I'm biased but I do see that that's the block it's not a, it's not just the technical stuff it's the confidence to go my face does not look like a 20 something face I've lost that youthful beauty what if people think I'm disgusting and they never are I think that that's okay too I think what's really happening and what we're starting to see in social media too is a bit of realism you know realism yeah, realism. And, yeah right realism so if you jump on that first video and say hey guys is I'm thought I better introduce myself but guess what I'm really nervous and I've never done this before so bear with me or you know whatever I think that's kind of this there's real beauty in that as well and I, I think, think so too I think then that the people who connect with your product or your service or whatever it is are going to see the real you and they're going to love it and it, people are so supportive you know of that um you know a couple of times I've done you know done it genuinely where I've gone oh look guys I'm a bit you know I don't really know what I'm doing I'm all over the place or whatever people are so encouraging and so brilliant and I think they just seriously want to connect with you genuinely and I think showing our authentic selves is a really good thing listen today I've got lipstick on but most of the time 
on my videos, you'll see if anyone ever watches them, you'll see that I don't wear makeup sometimes and I'm whatever. And I'm constantly wearing my hair back because, you know, I'm pretty crap at doing it really. So it's all of those things. You know, I think we just have to show up and be who we really are and show what you're passionate yeah, about. What does your business mean exactly. to you? Right? Exactly. If if the passion is what we want to see. Um, Sandy, we literally could do this the whole day, um, and I'm sure actually some people would quite like it if we did. Um, these I like that these are the, these are the ones I always get the most feedback back when they like they can tell I'm excited and the other person's excited and it's like a big love <laughs> fest on the topic. Um, but if people want to hear more from you, read more from you, tell me where they go. They can head to wb40.com. That's our website and you'll find everything there, the magazines, et cetera. You can also check out the podcast there, but the Good Girl Confessional podcast um, is available on anywhere that you listen to your favourite podcast. She's out there all over the place, which is brilliant. Um, Some of our guests are fabulous and well-known. Some of them are not well-known, but my view is they all should be because they're incredible. That's how I do it too. I think I choose people on my gut feel for that person. I don't based on the number of followers in fact the biggest person the biggest follower person I ever had actually was one of my least listened to podcasts and I really learned something from that from not chasing the celebrity and actually chasing my heart and I think as a podcast host I'm sure you'd agree that's the joy of having a podcast is not measuring it on that oh 100% like the podcast the good girl confessional is my happy place because I just think it you know, we're at, like really best job in the world. You get to meet extraordinary women like your good self and you, you know, it's, but it's just, but it's true, right? You just yeah. get to connect on a human level with so many brilliant people. I think it's really important. So I do too. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. And um, for those of you that are listening, um, there's like a little outro with a few little reflections from today and um, just also information about the Facebook group we've got. So you can come and ask questions in there. And if you're a woman over 40, there's heaps of people in there too. And you can ask questions and I'll answer them for you for free on marketing. So you can have a wee listen. But Sandy, thank you so much for being part of this today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was really excited and, and um, I'm still excited. Me and, um, too. I'm hyped. And I, and I can't wait. I think you should come on my podcast too. I can't well, I would love to. It's a yes. <laughs> she said thank yes, you. everyone. Yeah, it's a yes. <laughs> I hope you really enjoyed this episode with Sandy. Now, if you want to be part of a community where you're learning about marketing and content marketing for a year and hanging out with a bunch of people who all actually happen, besides I think one or two, to be over 40-year-old woman, then come along and be part of the Content Master Web with me. It's a year-long time spending two hours a week with me in a small group setting and we do live training and coaching and support. It's so much fun. Sometimes it gets a bit inappropriate, but it's lots of fun. And then we also do lots of training and advice to get your business marketing moving. If you want to do that with me, it's email me at rachel at identifymarketing.co.nz and we'll set up a time and see if it's the right fit for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and have a think this week. Are you having a bias in your marketing around who you're talking to? Are you talking to your target market? And if they are over 40, how can you better represent those people in your marketing as you're walking through with them? I think that'd be a really cool thing to have a think about and, and walk through. Next week, it's me talking to you about some marketing insight. I'd love to tell you what it is, but right now I have no idea what I've put down for that. And until then, I hope you have a great week. And I hope that you have a wonderful time of celebrating your age, whatever you are. See you next week. 
If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.